Welcome to season two of the Get Set Podcast, an old girls entertainment production. We are so excited to be here and talking about our experiences as three women in the TV and film industry. Woo-hoo! <laughs> right. Um, hey, so we have a very special guest today. We have Kelsey Nye. She is a sound utility, a good friend. Little known fact, she got married on a roller coaster, so we're in for a great um, ride. ride? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wait. Yeah, I didn't. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it's going to be a great episode. Uh, yeah, great ride. Yeah. Um, so, hey, Kelsey. Hey. <laughs> so, um, we'll start with our little, we've, we've been doing a, a bit of a themed, um, season, season where we talk about, uh, you know, going through the phases of life as if they are production. So the we'll roller coaster of your life. Wow. That was how yeah. I was trying to like sell the wedding too. was like, it's a metaphor for marriage. <laughs> And life and film and the ups and downs. Wait, really quick before we get to her real life. What happened during the wedding? How did that work? Um, So I I always feel like I downplay it when we did do like a little sitting ceremony before the roller coaster for older people. And then we just, everybody there came in one big group into Knott's Berry Farm and we got in line for... The Ghost Rider, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we we picked that one because one, we could actually kiss while we were on the roller coaster. Did a very very important test roller coaster <laughs> things, wedding research. Wow. Um, and so and it has a big platform. So all of our guests were there and then our um master of ceremonies isn't the right word, but person who yeah. weds you, mm-hmm. whatever Married they person. are. Um officiant. Yeah. Officiant. He just gets very loud and says, like, well, we're all gathered here today. And tons of people who aren't with our wedding either, but You're like, that yeah, was kind we're of just cool. Here for the ride, but okay. Um <laughs> all get really quiet. He does a quick ceremony. And so that's uh my husband and I in the first car, and then like our uh best man and maid of honor behind us, and then just like the wedding party going down the line and then parents and like whatever and then when they push the go button we did like kiss and went off and that was and the ride operators were totally chill with everything and they were like oh and they had no idea uh yeah we tried to organize it with the park a couple of times and they just thought it was a bad idea so we're (laughs) they're like we have um, a wedding area over at the hotel, which is where we did our sit down thing. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you want to do it here? I was like, why would we come to Knott's Berry Farm and not have a wet? Like, why would we go <laughs> next to Knott's Berry Farm to yeah. have a wedding? It's no offense to Knott's Berry Farm, but it's not like a great venue. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I was like, no, we did come here for the like roller the coaster. Appeal is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the roller coaster. That's so funny. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so continuing on this ride, (laughs) (laughs) since that's going to be the theme of the day, um, we have our production theme. So we're going to start with the in development, um, portion. So we'll start with who you are, where you're from. Bring Mo and Jess cutting in real quick to tell you that this guest that we have today is so special because we actually just finished wrapping a short that she wrote called for a moment. We finished wrapping, but there is still so much to do in post, in submitting to festivals. So we have an active 
crowdfunding campaign linked below where you can go see our progress and donate to the project if you are feeling so inclined. Yes, it's amazing. We loved it. It was a great fun experience and now we just need a final push. So if you have the ability, go check it out and enjoy this episode. Bring! All right. Um, well, you already said my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Kelsey Nye, previously Jonicus. That's what all my credits are under. Um, I am from Louisville, Colorado, right next to Boulder, probably the more recognizable place. Um, and yeah, I... I went to school in Santa Fe for film, and then I moved right out here. Nice. Okay, so now we'll go into our, like, pre-production phase of, like, how do you get to where you are now, which your sound utility, mm -hmm. right? That's, like, your title job that you get hired for. Yeah. So what how did you – like, training? Or... Yeah, how did you get into where you are? Um, when I was in film school, I thought I wanted to do camera work. Um, but I also really wanted to be on every set I could possibly get on. And so smart. <laughs> so smart. Nobody wanted to do sound in film school. So I just filled that role so I could be on a lot of productions. And then when I moved out to L.A., um, I was I had no connections. I didn't know what you're supposed to do to find jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I went on Craigslist to look for jobs and I, I applied for applied that's air quotes around that um, <laughs> um for camera stuff and sound stuff and i started getting more sound jobs and then i also started realizing that sound people i'm a little bit more comfortable with than camera people um and so i just kind of naturally started flowing that direction mm -hmm. and i spent I want to say like three years in the non-union world as like a one-man band mixer and so like i started buying gear and getting bigger jobs and just increasing my own rate and just working as a single mixer boom operator utility um until i had my hundred union or non-union days which so you is, have to get a hundred non-union and that's like paid work. You have to be yes. with it too, right? Yeah. So it has to be, you have to make legal minimum wage, which I didn't know for a while. So I had quite a few days where I was like $50 a day. Mm -hmm. None of those count. Mm -hmm. uh, that's did, good to know for people. Yeah. It's really good to know. Like you, it's not just about the time. It's about how much you were paid for that time. Yeah. I did a, a job where the payment was, uh, Halloween costume, so obviously that didn't count. Nice. <laughs> hey, I've been paid an in and out before it. Yeah. You know, yeah. We get paid in interesting ways when we start out. And you get the credit. Like, I know mm -hmm. it's stupid when people are like, oh, copy credit meal, and you're like, this dumb, but sometimes you're in the place where you're like, but I'm hungry. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a, a meal, free meal sounds good. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So then the 100 days, what's the other weird caveat with them? They group all your days into weird things. So like you'll have a different, you have to get a hundred days in like documentary days is a different thing and commercials is a different oh, wow. thing. And like, so it's, it's good just knowing when you're going in, like have your, your title on your call sheet, no matter what you're actually doing, just be the job that you want going into the union. Mm -hmm. Cause I would have, somewhere it was like mixer or 
Then I was changing it to sound utility because I wanted to enter the union at a lower level. And then the contract service people would be like, oh, well, yeah, we've piled all your mixer ones over here and all your, like, they don't all add up together. So just. Okay. Can we pause really quick to talk yeah. about, can we talk about the differences between a mixer, a boom and utility? Yeah. Cool. So my job as the sound utility, or you know what, we'll start at the top. Okay. And work the way down. Sounds good. Um, so the sound mixer is the department head. Um, and beyond all their technical jobs, their first job is running the department. So they're the people who are interfacing with the producers. They're making sure that we have all the gear that we need. They're like figuring out if we need any extra personnel, anything like that. They're the like boss. And then on the technical side, their big job that they have to do is one, press record. Mm -hmm. um, and then two, they have the mixing board that controls all the different mics that we've put out on set. And they're creating, like choosing the levels of those mics and monitoring them to make sure everything is good. So they'll create a mix of all the mics. And then we also record all the mics individually, but they have to be able to know that all of those mics are good and produce a good mix. That's mostly used for editing. And then post-production will take those single, like isolated tracks of the microphones and kind of make their own mix in post. But the mix is still important because it's going to be what everybody hears until it gets to the post mixer, which is like almost the last step on the post production right. line. Um, so that's the mixer. Then the boom operator is primarily in charge of, you know, actually operating the boom. That's the like microphone on the pole that hangs over the actors that we all see, like, no matter what is like, Anytime you see a production like on TV, like if they're showing it, they always have a boom operator because yeah. <laughs> he's like he's never far off camera or off frame, like he or she. So, yeah, I feel like that is a big, um, like image of the filmmaker. Yeah, like, I just saw this little Lego set that was like a film crew Lego. Set. It was like <laughs> that's a... so cute. <laughs> but there was also a Lego script supervisor, and I was like, good for you, oh Lego. My God. Yeah, <laughs> getting specific. Amazing. Yeah. That's good. Um, but their other, I'd say like task is they're the person who's in charge of set. So they're the sound the sound department's representative on set. And if mm -hmm. we need stuff like we do a lot of sound abatement where we make other things more quiet. Um, and so they'll be on set watching the scene, figuring out like, oh, can we put quiet things under these props or can we like baffle the room if there's like a lot of echoey surfaces can we like hang something soft over it or, or... If someone's walking with loud shoes like can we put yeah. carpet down or whatever yeah so yeah. they're like making all the plans being on set and then the sound utility their primary technical role is the wireless lavalier mics that go on the actors um and so they'll work with costumes and the actors to figure out the best placement for those mics. Um, and then they kind of just have all the other tasks that are left over. So distributing context, um, sometimes gear replacement, or like all of the inventory for all of our expendables tends to be run through the uh, utility. And also 
renting gear, like the mixer is in charge of deciding we need them, but oftentimes the utility will be the one calling the rental companies and like actually mm. making those happen and coordinating with Transpo to get all the rest of that stuff there. Is this like too in detail? No, no okay. that's great. <laughs> like, that's really great. Yeah. I think it's important, especially because you say that if you're trying to get into the union, they break up the categories anyways. Yeah. So it's, it's important that people know the difference. Oh yeah. Good point. Yeah. 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 And to like, and to know you can't just start out as a sound mixer. Like I didn't know that. A lot of people do, and I don't really? feel like it's received super well. Interesting. I don't know how you would start off as a head of a department with no experience as a utility or boom operator. Well, I feel like you should have that. If you come in like I did, where you're in the non-union world as essentially all of those jobs mm. in one, then it's easy to say, oh, well, I was a mixer, so I would like to mix now. But the number one, you're going to have a hard time getting jobs because the producers who hired you in the non-union world are not the producers who are going to hire you in the union world. Right. And so you now have <laughs> Jinx on the soda. <laughs> um, you don't have any contacts in that regard and you probably aren't going to have the credits list that would impress a like union producer mm -hmm. so you do kind of have to pay your dues a second time but not really because it is different like the world is just different i think in non-union if you're a one-man band you get very good honestly at wiring because you're doing that and maybe booming because you're doing that and multitasking so you're actually developing a lot of the skills for the entry-level position which is the utility and you're kind of you're being the department head of yourself but mm -hmm. you're you don't actually have to practice managing other people because it's just you mm. and you don't actually practice the physical skills of mixing i'm doing the little like hand gesture of like being on the faders <laughs> but yeah you don't do that because as a one-man band you're holding the boom pole so you aren't doing anything with you're levels. not actually mixing yeah. on mm. on set yeah like how a mixer would yeah. in the union. So it is actually, I think it makes more sense, no matter how much it might hurt your pride. <laughs> so just, you've done your bag mixing time. Now you go in as a utility or like if you love bag mixing, which maybe some people do, it's hard on your back, but you can go into like documentaries or mm -hmm. reality TV has bag mixers. Like there's- Bag mixers is when you're wearing it. Yeah. That, yeah. When you say sound mixer, I immediately think of that because I've been on a lot of indie productions. Yeah. And those bags are massive mm -hmm. and heavy. Like, I, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how they do it for hours. They're just standing there. Yeah. I that, yeah, that's, that's heavy. I've got a like a brace for mine that's got kind of like a steel spine in it. But even then, I take it off as much as I can. I think when I was, oh my gosh, when I first started, I had a shoulder strap and I just wore it across my body and I was like young and nothing could hurt me and everything's <laughs> fine. Now we can't wear side bags. Like, yeah. I can't even wear side purses. I know. <laughs> if you saw my like teeny purse, like I keep trying to get it smaller and smaller. I was like, this is killing me. <laughs> Possibly. So. Yeah. Um, so will you, for utility, will you explain what a ComTech is? Yes. Um, a ComTech, ComTech is actually a brand, but 
pretty much everyone will use this specific brand. If you don't want to use the brand name, they would be IFBs. Um, And they are just receivers that are getting a feed of the, the mix from set. And we hand them out to anybody who'd like to listen. Directors, script supervisors are the like primary ones. And then um, just kind of anyone else per request. Mm-hmm. There'll usually be as many people, there'll be as many contacts as there are people at Video Village, just yeah. because I almost think it's like a status symbol. <laughs> like if you have a headphone, then you're yeah. an important person. But it'll be like producers or like some, I know sometimes the ADs will have it. And yeah. then like, if a PA has to queue someone, then they'll yeah. get a con- contact as well. So that way they can like queue off a line. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes we'll do like hand them out if lighting guys have to do cues. They're really mm-hmm. good for queuing purposes. Mm-hmm. So nice. And then for the lavaliers as well, um, they're wireless in terms of you don't have to like hook them onto the actual sound mixing board right mm-hmm. but they do have there is a wire to them yeah the microphone element is a it's got like a little teeny microphone at the end and then it's got a cable a long cable so that because the, the the cable goes to the transmitter right. and we have a receiver on our side mm-hmm. and the transmitter is a little bit bigger so you could have just a small microphone and plug it right into the transmitter, but that would limit where you can actually put the mic head. Mm-hmm. So we've got a long cable that allows you to maybe put the mic pack, the transmitter out of sight and then kind of work the wire up somebody's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Cause I've seen you, I mean, when we work together on a show, it was very like scantily clad <laughs> that was- stuff. And like, and so I, I think it was just, I just want to hear like some stories of like some crazy areas that you've had to like try and hide these wires. Um, my favorite, my, the one that I felt like was the most clever was I had an actress with a very tight dress that seems to happen a lot. (laughs) And, um, we, if you have a tight dress, we can kind of like work on a system where oh, if we go to a bathroom, maybe we can get it under somewhere. But she had poofy sleeves, like right here. And so it took an ankle strap and attached the transmitter around her um, forearm under the poofy sleeve. So then we had easy access to it. She didn't have to like go to a bathroom or anything. That's really cool. And then the, you know, and then just keep damn it, podcasts. <laughs> I keep wanting keep to show it visually, it. Yeah. but like then we would run the mic, um, that cable from the sleeve up to like the collar. And then from there you could like place the mic. So you didn't have yeah. to do any kind of clothing adjustment to get the right piece. That's great. Yeah. And, and she could use the restroom without unplugging me, yeah. which I have to do like every single time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of times I know like if you're wearing pants, you can hook them like on the inside of the pant or like, or run it down the leg, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had then, it hooked. On, I've definitely had it hooked in the back. I've had it hooked on my thigh. Mm-hmm. I, I feel super cool because I feel like I have like a holster there, like I'm like Mrs. <laughs> yeah. Smith or something, yeah. and it's my sound hack. <laughs> or like yes, at the ankle. Yeah. yeah. And then I know I've I've heard of sometimes like if you know getting it on the in the hair as yes. well. 
which is they do that for film and TV. I thought yeah. they just did that for theater. I all when I introduce it to an actor, I always try and like lead with that, like, oh, have you had? It's kind of a theater thing, but yeah, it's the hair mic is really great if your costume is loud because fabric makes noise, mm -hmm. and yeah, that happens in real life. But the thing that's different here is that the microphones right next to the clothes mm. and so never in real life are you hearing someone's voice and like have your ear against their clothing so mm. the or the jewelry ratio, too, probably right oh yeah so the hair mic really gets the mic away from all those problem areas mm -hmm. um but it does require a lot of coordination with the hair department some people feel really uncomfortable wearing them and it also means you have to have a hairstyle that's going to like cover it going down your neck because we still need that transmitter hidden somewhere on their body mm -hmm. if they're like this i've never had this but i know that it's possible is like if someone has a wig yeah. that allows you to put the transmitter in the wig mm -hmm. then you can have that but then you really won't have access to that transmitter for the rest of the need, day like a battery change yeah. or something mm -hmm. so yeah it's usually if someone has a nice long haircut and isn't doing some kind of like head movement where they suddenly reveal the back of their neck. That's like an ideal time for it. <laughs> you never know that might. Yeah, like a, like a hair Heroin. commercial. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've also had, like I had this one um, cast member who would always wear a, a baseball hat. Like that's mm. what that character would always wear. And yeah. So they would wire the hat as well. Oh yeah, Jeff, um, yeah. that loves hats. He, yeah. He's, it's not my first go to because if I'm wearing somebody and I haven't seen the blocking for the scene, I'm nervous to do hats because I don't know if they're going to take off the hat. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something like pro tip for utilities. You can just ask actors what they'll do. Yeah. They'll usually, you can communicate with them. They'll give you information. And then yeah. for actors, it's important that when you answer those questions, you stick with what you answer yeah. because you can't just be like, Oh, I felt it in the moment. I'm going to take the hat off. Yeah. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> Some utilities crying. So <laughs> yeah. I've also like one thing too, um, that I, well, by the way, I think we are definitely in production phase right now. Oh, we are <laughs> in production about it, phase. Um, of like all things sound. But I do want to like commend also, it, it takes a certain person to be able to be a sound utility because you deal with a lot of personalities mm -hmm. um, from actors. And like sometimes it's just them getting in the, in the whatever because they're stressed out or whatever. And then or prepping or prepping. Yeah. And then, you know, you are having to like kind of invade their personal space yeah. a little bit of like, let me put this wire on you. Like it's, let me wire it like, through your bra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just want to like, one, it takes a certain personality and two, like Kelsey, I've seen you navigate that. And like, oh, so <laughs> like, I don't know, like sometimes I'm like, I want to just be like slap the actors in the face, be like, Hey, she's a person too. Cause I've <laughs> oh seen my people snap. No. But I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's one thing that's like, well, it's cool. You get to like work with actors and sometimes they're like so amazing and you're like, wow, cool. Sometimes you get people who are a little like, but that's a good intense. point. Yeah. And that's a good point too, as a note, um, just as an advocate for the actors, <laughs> um, but actors need to be professional, um, <laughs> is that you are working with them in a close capacity. Some people might not be comfortable. And mm -hmm. so at least when I've worked with a sound utility, they are always very communicative. Like, right. okay, before they even touch me, they're like, I'm thinking I'm going to run this down here. It's going to go through the back. I'm going to drop it down now. Can you pull it through the bottom for me? Or maybe they'll do it. And yeah. so, you know, they're kind of taking their cues off me. They're communicating from the beginning. But then also 
you know, sound utility comes in pretty late in the game, yeah. right? And so, like you said, if you're if they're prepping something major, if this is an actor that you've been wanting to talk to, I know you would never do this, but like for the novice people out there, like if they're saying, hey, I really like your work, might not be the best time because they're about to go on and, yeah. you know, yeah. try it and is, perform their, their hearts out. It is yeah. usually like, I mean, yeah, it's after you've been through hair, makeup, costumes, or like, you know, gotten dressed in your trailer and you're, you're literally walking onto set to then like, quickly go perform. I mean, you may have like a little bit of like waiting like game. a or, rehearsal. Yeah, or yeah. something. But that's basically like you finish all your prep work and essentially you're, it's like your first step of coming on and getting, yeah. getting on the set. And then to add to the like trickiness of, it is kind of the last step in the actor's getting ready process. And then because now you're on set and you're visible, I feel like there's a stronger push coming from the AD team. And so as much as like, I'd love to like sit there and get a rapport because we are doing something a little bit more like close quarters and intimate. Like there's also somebody right next to you being yeah. like, okay, five minutes. And you're like, oh yeah. Like, so you have to be like fast, but calm, but personable and like. But not <laughs> too in their face. Yeah. yeah. That's, but, that's yeah, true. That's delicate. another. It is yeah. delicate. Cause you yeah. always have like, once the actor steps onto the stage, you have a PA there right next to them, like escorting them through this process. Because like you said, like, you know, the AD is like in the PA's ear being like, when are we getting this person on set? Yeah. So And that's some true. actors have interesting things where this isn't me, but a, a lot of actors actually, they're like, don't call me by my first name. Like when I'm on set, oh, when I arrive, you call name. me Susie. Cause my character name is Susie, <laughs> which is fine. Not really to mock it, but if that does, I mean, my friend was on set and Joaquin Phoenix is like that. He was yeah. like, hey, Joaquin. And he like shot him a death stare. And it's like, oh, fuck, you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, some people are interesting and, yeah. you know, and, and their process could be changing too. So um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's, it's tricky. I yeah. can imagine that it's tricky, but yeah. actors always be professional and always be nice. No matter what your process is, be nice. Well, I'll double down on what you said about communication because I've seen some sound people take it really personally when the actor comes up and is just like, I want the mic here and there and blah, blah, blah. And that feels like the actor's taking charge. And suddenly you feel defensive because you're like, I ex you know, like I specialize in this, I have things to say and blah, blah, blah. And so like, I know that that can hurt, but if you can take, take that energy and kind of like build it as like, Hey, we're going to work on this together. Like, Oh, if they give you a specific place, they want it, try and accommodate, but try and be like talking about, okay, well we can put that there, but if you want to make any adjustments to the mic, tell them what your goal is. Mm -hmm. And then maybe they can, suggest a place that is better for them and then you guys can start talking about like why do you want it there and mm. why do i want it here and then just have a real person conversation and i think that's where you'll get to those nice yeah. middle grounds because like everybody wants to feel important and wants to feel like they're doing their job to the best of their ability but yeah the the moment people are wired is such a weird time and so you do have to be respectful of like everyone's not coming calm and like ready to just have stuff thrown on yeah well and the thing is is like the actors too it, it's a piece of equipment that they're having to wear on their body while they're that they're having to pretend is not there while they're like yeah playing this character so it does make sense that they would have to like 
or that they may have like a preference of like this is where I usually like it like can we do that you know or whatever yeah. or if they know they have some blocking that's gonna gonna impede wherever that is yeah just to be honest about it yeah. yeah if you start those dialogues it's only gonna make you as a sound person better or like look better because if you're not communicating and then that piece of blocking like maybe they this one gets me all the time is like someone will bend all the way over and you've thought oh the back the mic pack on their back is a great place and suddenly when they bend over the mic pack is really obvious mm -hmm. and so if you have a rapport with that actor and you're talking about oh I, i'd like to put it on your back and they feel comfortable saying oh well you know i don't think that's going to work in this point of the scene um, take their word for it. Now you aren't the dummy who has to walk out after a take and be like, oops, I put it in the wrong spot. I wonder what they did. For and the, the take is not usable yeah. for bend and snap. <laughs> <laughs> Ran it down. Oh no, because they were in heels. It must have been in the top. Well, they couldn't have done a leg. We'll one. never know unless we get whoever the sound Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be your next guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just, new segment. Where did you put that mic back? <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no. I, like, um, I know what I'm going to say. So, Oh, I'm ready. Oh, okay. okay. So I think, you know, just wrapping this little section of professionalism and sound and actors and working together. Um, as an actor, I feel confident when the sound person seems confident. So even though you're asking questions, you're asking questions about how to do your job together more effectively. Mm -hmm. When people have come to me and these are for like a while back when they're just learning and um, you know, what's a male and they need to drop something down my shirt. They're like, I'm just, um, I'm going to put my fingers right here. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, just do it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So if they're, you know, this is your job, this is our job. And so um, yeah, treat it as such, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just I also, it, it helps us be more comfortable with you in our intimate space when you are confident about your job. Yeah. I, also want to point out because this is something that Jeff said whenever there was like kind of an improv scene happening and he was like you know like especially because there was an actor that was making it a little difficult on you and he was like I don't understand because the thing is is like that they're not that the actor's not understanding is that we like are there to protect their work that they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause if it's an improv scene, you're probably not, or like, you know, or they're, you know, ad-libbing a little bit or improving on the spot, like more than likely, you're not going to say the same thing take from take. Cause that's the point is you're making new stuff up. So like, if you have a zinger, they won't really, you really want to have it caught on, you know, sound on yeah. sound. So, cause otherwise like they're, that's an unusable take take yeah mm -hmm. so i mean unless like obviously there's adr and stuff but typically like if it's especially if it's you know yeah um improv they i don't know if they would bring them in if it's like a moment type of situation and so but basically um, people everyone's there to make you look good <clears throat> and you are you were hired to do your job and yeah. so, but the sound person is there for you and to mm -hmm. and to yeah i also think that like what you were saying earlier about um most people don't most people didn't necessarily want to get into sound and so that was kind of your edge and how you how you were able to get in to the industry itself mm -hmm. i find that really interesting and also like i totally get it because it's obviously it's not like what you're quote unquote seeing right like it's not like i don't know but it's so important and i think that especially like in film school every time you like hear a professor they always talk about like 
Well, you can tell the difference between like a professional and non-professional by like the sound of the production. It's not necessarily even what it looks like, not even necessarily the acting. It's like if the sound is like fucked up, then like you it's, you can tell like it, it ruins. And we, um, we've said this films. before in other recordings and on our Patreon and other episodes, like people got to be able to see you. They've got to be able to hear you. Mm -hmm. Like those are the top two in your reels, in your auditions, and of course on set. Mm -hmm. So when I've done indie productions my sound i mean operator boom and i mean they were doing like the bag mixing so they yeah. did everything my sound was the top paid person on set mm -hmm. for my indie productions because we knew that that couldn't be fucked up yeah. you know be, you know it, it's and just it, higher than our actors because i we wanted to make sure that we got someone good well and, if and that was not, for non-union now but still yeah, yeah and if you're not like technically like if you don't get it technical on the day then it could essentially end up costing you more if you have to go back and ADR and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or reshoot, depending on whatever your, you know, if you're, you are indie, whatever your like capabilities are at that point. So, um, yeah, it's just like so vital. And I think it's like so under like hyped. Like I'm like, <laughs> we need to like, I don't know. It's so important. And it does make or break. Like, I think that there's like, especially on YouTube, there's like, you know, they have like editing so important, but alongside that, it's like they have like, you know, rom coms that are like they remix it as if it's like a horror film yeah, or something. I love those. But like half of those are like you, it's what's doing it isn't necessarily the editing, it's actually just the sound that they have in the background. Mm. Like, so it's so important in the storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, that just made me flood and have so many more questions. So, what are we wait, asking next? Because I have a lot of more questions. Go. Do you. <laughs> Okay, so what kind of control does the sound mixer have in terms of working with the music composer usually, or the music editor? Usually the production sound mixer has very little control. Interesting, okay. Um, so typically the sound mixer, the production sound mixer, and the production team that we've kind of been discussing here, they're main priority job is getting the cleanest, easiest to work with dialogue possible. So in a lot of ways, production sound team is very technical. They're trying to get isolated sounds that the post team can have the most flexibility to work with mm -hmm. when they're creating the mix. Um, I know a lot of mixers like to infuse the job with a level of creativity. And so they probably won't stop there. They'll probably try to imagine what the mix would be like, and this can help them uh, try and capture additional sounds or consider things like, oh, we'll always wire the actors so we get the cleanest version of their um, dialogue recorded on the wires, but sometimes the boom placement will be like considering the camera and like, oh, should we get more camera perspective or should we go out to that you know like that's mm -hmm. where you can kind of start adding some art to it but it's pretty rare i think that the music is considered yeah yeah uh, the exception though of course is any kind of musical or anything mm -hmm. where the music is being played on set because then the mixer um, on, a, on a union show, the mixer will then hire a separate position, and this will be music playback, mm. to come in and they will handle everything from coordinating with the music supervisor. And that's the person who's kind of the advocate for 
the music before like a composer actually sees the edit and starts composing specifically for the final product. The music supervisor is the person who's like putting together songs for the musical or I, I don't know tons about the music supervisor's job, so I don't want to like go yeah, too deep okay. into it, but they're the contact. So our music playback person will get files from them. They'll set up the playback. They'll be in charge of if like the actors need to wear earwigs or if we have speakers or if we have a thumper, which is like a fun, real bassy speaker that just plays the beat because the bass tone can be wiped out in post. So if you need everybody to oh. dance, but you also have to talk, mm -hmm. you can play the, the thumper and they'll all like hopefully dance to theoretically the same song. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Although that doesn't okay, always great. happen anyway. So there's something I've we wanted to tell you. Where it we was have a Patreon in a bar and I was I was a background Hop on actor over on this. and go to And it was supposed to be like in a bar and you know so that people were like kind of talking crew, over and, and they have to have, have like this like there's supposed to be like a live budget templates live monthly update. So they would like play us in go visit us just so everyone kind of understood and then they would stop and like and there's a link below you're gonna love it. Um or my or whatever. And um, I don't think mine is the right word for that, but that's fine. <laughs> it was like pretend play. And so we'd all still like kind of be dancing to that, like that song while everyone else is like, you know, the actors are like, yeah, yeah have you seen the, oh, wow, those shoes are great, man. I don't know. That was bad dialogue. But, you know, <laughs> they would like do their thing and, and act. And then, you know, that the background actors are like, you, you know, have to like hold the song in your head and like pretend yeah. to sing that one line 30 yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully so. it's a good song. <laughs> I did have a question too, especially for people just starting out. How did you create your first price point to charge people per day or per hour? And then how did you work up from there? And how did you, I mean, I know in the beginning, like we said, you know, copy, Sandwiches. credit, meals, yeah. but then, you know, where did you find a base of this is how much you should be making and how much you're worth based on your experience before you got to union? Well, I wouldn't recommend doing what I did, but what I did was I just started guessing and I really undervalued myself. Yeah. Like, like, I think I mentioned that I had like $50 days and stuff because I just like wanted to do anything and I mm -hmm. didn't know what I was worth. And so I spent a long time being like really proud of like 250 a day. Like that was a big um job and at the time the people hiring me would tell me what it was they'd say we've got this much for sound and i'd be like sold like yeah mm -hmm. and at that time i didn't have gear so then i'd say that's fine but like you have to rent all the gear by the way mm -hmm. um and then when i started accumulating gear then i started having to be like okay well i have to set a price for whatever this rental is and so i would <laughs> this feels bad. I would like look up what the rental would be at a sound place. And then I'd like cut it in half, basically. <gasps> cut it in half. Yeah. See. Yeah. I, so this is what I'm saying. Don't do this. But yeah. like, these are the prices that I was being given. Cause like yeah. even just recently I had an opportunity to go mix a union, um, mm -hmm. TV show for like a couple of days. And, and I told them like, I don't have the like gear to support that. And they're like, oh, that's fine. Like we have this and this for your kit fee. So I had two options. I could go to a mixer and like give the kit fee to them and get their whole rig. Or I could try and rent it piece by piece out from a rental house. And even at the top, top level, 
I could not get all the pieces of sound gear that I needed for what the this union television show was giving us for the kit round. So oh like even the biggest sound mixers are making less than on their kit than what it would be to individually rent it. Okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to off the top of my head think of like what a rental for a really basic sound kit at like location sound or something would be. And I feel like probably at least three hundred dollars. Wow. And yeah. so if I'm getting paid two fifty and then I'm like, and then also my gear is three hundred dollars, then I thought the producers would be like, no. And then I thought, well, now it'll never work. So I have to I have to do this small job. And then what shifted for me was um, I asked my building if I could become the apartment manager there because um, they had one before I moved in and then the guy just left. So I was like, I knew you had a manager at one point in time, like this job exists in your sphere mm -hmm. and now you don't have one and I live here. How hard could it be? I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and so suddenly I wasn't as desperate for money because that at least paid my rent. Right. Yes. And so then I was like, I've been talking to people. Here's the thing is like get a community yes. who's working it too, because then they can kind of one, put you out for jobs that have higher rates and to like make you feel sane about like you can get this higher rate. Just some yeah. knowledge. We've said this to actors too. It's like there, there could be two actors guest starring for the same amount of pages on the same episode. Mm -hmm. And just because of reputation, one can be making a ton more, but that knowledge is good to be like, okay, this is what this level can be worth. Mm -hmm. Why am I getting paid this yeah. amount? Maybe my reps need to negotiate more. So we've definitely, yeah, we've said this for other jobs too. Yeah, don't don't make it a taboo to talk about money. Your rate, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so after that, I, I set it up to 500 and I didn't even have a lag at all. Like I immediately was like, well, my rate is this. And, and how no many years problems. ago was that? A lot of years. <laughs> like, yeah, like but that's seven, plus inflation. Seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's inflation. what, I, I mean, we paid um, for, for this non-union project we did like four or five years ago now. Mm. It was 450 a day for our sound, yeah. you know, mixer who did boom and utility. And so, yeah, I mean, and uh, I mean, I knew that it was, I was like, oh, this is a lot of day. I only can have two days because I can't pay over 900 for this. Yeah. Um, but nothing was wrong with sound. So as long as like you, you know, you get a professional like you, Kelsey, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. It's going to be so, so worth it. And I also thinking, so went through the like early phases where now I'm, working for a little bit higher rate and I'm meeting all these people who are angry about low rates and like, and you gotta like tell people off if they ask you for less and you know, like there's kind of that vibe going. And I was thinking, you know, like, okay, everyone's saying that that must be true. Suddenly I, I go past that. I go into the union I'm making very good money. And then I come back on the other side and now I have like friends who are making productions and like, doing their own short films and stuff. And so suddenly I, I'm coming back and working for free mm -hmm. and or working for back to that like 200 or whatever it is. And that feels okay to me because I think the difference if you're going to do a really low rate is you like do it with somebody where this is a favor, yeah. not a, don't go to Craigslist and mm, right. like ask somebody for a low rate. But if you have made a real relationship with somebody, like 
I think it's great when people are sharing resources because like film is very expensive mm -hmm. and like it is really hard to pay somebody like you're saying like that now your project is limited to a specific time frame because that's all you have so mm -hmm. everyone like go meet a lot of crew members and all become friends and then because then when you guys all move up together they could pull you on a job that pays those union yeah. wages and vice versa you can yeah. say hey you know i can't do this job but i could really use this person who is super professional with me on set that yeah. one time. Yeah. And yeah. I think too, like, especially if like, now that you're like, you said you're in the union, you're like, you know, the people who can pay that, you know what I mean? You're yeah. like, pay like union wages. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'll take their money. Like, cause it's yeah. properly a job. But then like, obviously like the indie type filmmakers, like with Marissa's film and everything, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, yeah, these are like people that I'm, I want to like have a an artistic connection with and so we want to all just like support each other because we all know that we're working with like like nothing to yeah like little to nothing you know so right um but yeah I mean it's obviously dependent on like whatever you you can do like if you're non-union and you're really trying to get your days um no like freaking make at least minimum wage if not more yeah. like you know so it, it depends on, on whatever you're you're wanting out of the project. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we move into the post-production? Let's do it. Okay. Post-production. <laughs> Where do you want to be in the future? Um, <laughs> I don't think that for sound, I would like to move up to being a boom operator. Mm -hmm. um, what's, I, what's that difference by the way? Like how many, how do you move up to that? As far as the union is concerned, mm -hmm. I could probably just call them and say, hey, I'm a boom operator because our classifications are kind of interchangeable. Mm -hmm. So I would just on paper change my classification from one thing to another. And they would just update it where on their website or something? Yeah. Okay. What um, is your union, by the way? 695. Got it. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Um, for the mixer, you have to like get enough days to move up or whatever okay. it is. So yeah, for sound, I'd like to do more boom operating. I'm a little like nervous around actors all the time. And so I was like, <laughs> I'd love to like put a little bit more space <laughs> in between that. Um, Makes sense. <laughs> but I also love the physicality of boom operating because you're, this is gonna sound like really romanticized, <laughs> but you're, in the scene with the actor and the camera person like all moving yeah. together and all like like you ha have to be in tune with the actor and like pay attention to their little like ticks of like i'm about to speak because you have to get the rhythm of the speaking because you're going from this person to this person to that person mm -hmm. and like oh that person like you figure out how they're performing the scene. So you're like really involved in the scene because yeah. they're going to turn and you have to follow them. And, and we like, should mention that the boom off is directional. So that's why you're like yeah. having to point it at wherever, whoever's speaking or whatever yeah. sound you're trying to capture. So yeah, it feels very like you're a part of the dance. Yeah. yeah. Your, your magic is being captured once, you know, whereas yeah. like, that's the real anxiety and of the mind being... that you're not getting into frame. Too. Yes. Yeah. Like, and so you're whole... also picturing the frame cause you yeah. can't see it, but you have to like have the camera in your like peripheral and then see where they're moving and know like, Oh, like know the lens and know that the frame probably looks about like this. So you're like, 
yeah, you're in the scene and you're imagining the final version of the scene. It's just a very interesting, like, way to participate yeah. in filmmaking. Well, and, like, no one else is that close to the performance. Yeah. Like, no one is, like, at all. Even the camera is, like, a little bit, you know, there's, like, for the camera operator. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you're making it sound so cool. And when I look at a boom off, I'm like, wow, that person is working out. Yeah, they're just like, oh, God. The strongest (laughs) arms and My favorite is, like, whenever they have, like, you extend the pole all the way out, and they're just, like, uh, you, like, see it kind of shaking just a smidge, just, like, like like a four-minute scene or something. Definitely the scenes that ruin all that magic that I was talking about is when two people are just sitting or standing in one place for a long (laughs) period of time because you don't even physically get the relief of kind of, like, moving your muscles, and then you're also, like, oh, yeah, I'm just a C-stand right now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no magic here, but... So would you want to do scenes that are like one shots like is the yes. job done that, oh, that I, way right i would love i not even as a boom operator but i love oneers yeah in mm. films i love the like idea of planning for oneers like i yeah every movie should be a oneer i know yeah <laughs> I, I think it's so just, fun just, too yeah it should just be a play i don't yeah. even know why we're doing all this editing stuff <laughs> it's yeah no i agree because because that is like where it's like actually a dance and there's actually it's like choreographed yeah. Movement between like making sure that the camera captures what needs to be captured. The actors are moving in the correct space so that the camera is like not too crazy. And then the sound like yeah. kind of, oh man, yeah. Wait, oh so man. Is there, oh man. <laughs> I'm so excited. So great. So with, with, let's say, with a camera person that is doing a handheld and they're moving backwards and forwards, they have someone behind them. Do you, as a boom operator, if you're doing a one or do you have somebody behind you? And is that a PA or is that another sound person? It would be the utility usually. Okay. I've had a grip do it once for me, but I usually don't ask for somebody because the cool, the camera person has to hold their body in a really specific way. But like I've been a boom operator for a running scene and I literally like face my body towards wherever we're running and I like boom over my shoulder. So I can just run like a normal person. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I have a little bit more flexibility. I have stairs seen though is where Oof. I would have somebody because I was like, I don't know. I'll forget where I am. <laughs> yeah. I have seen a boom up and then a hole one time. <laughs> Wait, end in a hole? Yeah. Like Oh. accidentally fell into a hole oh no okay so yeah like oh, yeah. maybe so if you need a spotter don't be afraid to yeah. yeah it was just it was like not it wasn't anything like I don't think that he was just like I don't think he was like thinking it there was not a ton of movement in the scene it <laughs> just ended up in a hole um so he just wanted to go to work yeah. stop that day <laughs> it was it was scary but it was, he was fine so oh, um but it was like a scene where it was like what is it called when they're like our archaeologists like so they we actually had like holes in oh okay like that's what it was like he (laughs) fell into one of them and was like oh god yeah so um be careful um okay so what about not including sound so we haven't mentioned but you are like a fantastic writer yeah and (laughs) um yeah so outside of sound um i have recently like psyching myself up for this um I think in the next like year or so, I want to really pursue screenwriting professionally. Yes. Um, Hi, I'm an actor. I'm a union actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk afterwards. <laughs> I got all these projects. Yeah. Sends you an email with my resume. Which I'm so excited for that because okay, 
So Kelsey and I, we worked on a show and then kind of like towards the end of the show slash after it was myself and like a handful of PAs who also were trying to write. And then Kelsey, uh, the director's like personal assistant. And then we had Mam a little bit too, yeah. like our stunt coordinator slash in intimacy coordinator. Um, we all would get together every like a Sunday, I think it was. Yeah. And like, we would write for a couple hours, like at a coffee shop. It was the most amazing. And then obviously like schedules change and people ended up getting like really, really busy, but it was just the most like a oh, loving time. I loved it so much. <laughs> you guys can't see on this podcast, but their body language is <laughs> like so ecstatic. They're going to burst. <laughs> uh, I love that group too, because I've been trying to figure out writers groups yeah. and when I had gone to everyone met at night we spent a bunch of time like drinking before we did anything <laughs> which was i felt like really annoying because i had to wake up the next morning yeah. to go to set nobody else there had to do that mm -hmm. not all writers have to drink <laughs> psa yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like do it before you get to your writers group like yeah. we have only so much time to i don't know whatever. i know yeah and I this is why we quit because at the end of the day we're like okay we need to be professional what work did <laughs> yeah. we get yeah. done today we spent like we would spend like maybe 20 minutes catch up or whatever and then we'd sit and write and then like it was like 45 minutes and then i think like one of us would come up for air and be like so anyways guys like da -da -da -da. <laughs> <laughs> we talk for another like 15 minutes and then it, it was just like our group was like we were there to write it was yeah amazing. and like the yeah, we, you could talk if you wanted. And it, sometimes it was casual. And sometimes it was about like, hey, could you look at this? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think of like this section? Or I remember like, talking to people about like, oh, I need to make a log line for this, or yeah. I have an idea. Like, so there was creative discussion, there was casual discussion. And then there was just that like moments where everyone was just writing, but like the energy of having people around yeah. you writing was I never had a time writing where it didn't feel hard to start except for there where I was like, this is my writing time. And mm -hmm. like, and I've got some buddies and we're all doing it and yeah. it's fine. It was so cool. It was a really cool energy yeah. in the room. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I'm like, I'm a big fan of like your stories and everything. So I'm so excited that you're like making that jump or like really trying to like pursue it. I'm Thank so excited. you. Trying to get all the tips from your podcast. Like. So I've been like, <laughs> And she's already been giving us tips about this, so I promise you, the sound on this podcast, we're fine with it, but it's going to get better. Now yeah. that I know <laughs> it's going to get better. Listen, it's listenable, so, but yeah, it's it's definitely due for an upgrade. Um, okay, so we have that, yeah. and then also... Um, also, and this kind of ties into the writing thing, because, okay, I'll say what it is, and then I'll mm -hmm. explain it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Actually, this Saturday, which I don't know when the podcast we're, comes out. This is going to be a minute. We're we're recording this on the very, very last day of June. But our, is this going to be coming out during episodic season or around like between September and October? Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So, yeah. So, um, my friend and I are creating a sleep podcast um, where we retell your favorite action films as calming sleep stories. Um and this kind of came out of one, I just wanted to start writing things and not feel too worried about the end product. So I wanted something a little silly, little like niche genre specific so that if I did a lot of dumb things, I could be like, no, that's the genre. That's not me. I'm not a bad writer. It's, it's just a weird genre. <laughs> it's, <just the> genre. <laughs> it's a boring genre. It's supposed to put you to sleep. Not my fault. I did it well. That was how I like, you know, did a little side door thoughts yeah. through that. <laughs> but um, 
it also came from, I was talking to my friend Andy, who's my co-creator and the voice actor on the podcast. And I have insomnia real bad. So I listen to a lot of like sleep stories. Yeah. I was telling her like, man, the like voices on these podcasts are just, I think that's the thing that's putting me to sleep. It's just, there's like a really calm person constantly talking to me. And I was like, she, this lady thinks everything's okay. So maybe everything's okay. <laughs> I don't know what she's saying because. But her voice is telling yeah. me that the world is not on fire. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I bet she could say anything. I bet she could be like, and then a million cars blew up and it was, and everything was great. <laughs> and so and and you're like, yeah. After. <laughs> so we like kind of took that joke and ran with it and tried to find, yeah, the furthest thing away from a calming story, which is, you know, action movies, and then just put it into the most calming format we could think of. Yeah. Um, so I'll write the script, she'll record it, and then we'll put like a, like Sound a soundscape scape. behind it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Very cool. That's super cool. So what do you have right now? Like, like what are a couple of your episodes that are coming up? What stories so, are you retelling? <laughs> so we found out we're, we're very slow in production. And um, in order to write slow, calming stories, um, my technique is to make it really long and detailed. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of wrote out our first film that we're covering is Mad Max Fury Road. Nice. Um, and we called it Mild Max Sleepy Road. And so I just wrote out my coverage, I guess, yeah. or whatever the script. And Andy starts recording it and she's like, this is going to be two hours long. <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. Um, well, that's great for people who are falling asleep. True. But we decided to break that up into four episodes. Great. So our first four episodes is just Mad Max Fury, Mad Max Fury Road. Part one, two, three. Yes. Nice. And then for subscribers, um, you can listen to all of them strung together. So you get the two-hour nice. version if you pay us three dollars. You month. have really bad. Yeah. <laughs> you have really bad insomnia. Yeah. It'll be worth your time. Um. Okay. Cool. So. Let's talk about distribution, AKA where can people find you um, if they want to follow your podcast and you, do you have any um, websites? I'd say I, I don't have a website, but I think I'm going to try and get one soon for writing purposes. That mm -hmm. feels like a thing that you should have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think professionally, I just like give people my IMDB link. Yeah. Um, we'll put that in the show notes then, okay. for sure especially now that my last name doesn't match. So I have to figure that out at yeah. some point. Um, but for Instagram, my personal Instagram, which probably isn't like too thrilling, but if you wanted to follow me, it's uh, at Peggy the Pirate and it's P-E-G-G-I the Pirate. We'll have that in the show notes. Excellent. Yes. And then um, Lethal Lullabies is the name of our podcast. I don't know if I said that before. No, but it is. So, but here we are. Yeah. Lethal Lullabies. Um, and so we've got we've got a website, so you can find Lethal Lullabies at lethallullabies.com. Um, and all of the social media platforms, same same set thing. of words, yeah. So Perfect. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Okay, well, thank you, Kelsey, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're excited. <laughs> so, so, so much. And uh, let's uh, go get set. Go get set. Woo!